You're listening to OK Now Listen, a bi-weekly show where we chat about what's on our minds, what we're binging, and what's blowing up our timelines. I'm Scotty Beam, a media personality, content creator, music enthusiast, and a wing connoisseur. And I'm Sylvia O'Bell. I'm a culture writer, host, producer, and lover of Beyonce. Sylvia, season two, we did it. We did it, Joe. We did it. I'm so happy to be back in the digital booth, the virtual booth with you, sis. It's been, it's back in my happy place. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be back for our listeners. We missed y'all. Thank you so much for holding us down, binging us in our absence, tweeting us, atting us, threatening us, threatening Netflix. We heard you. We're here. I love the threats. Keep the threats coming. (laughs) Y'all can stand down till season three. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We appreciate the heat that was coming, though. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited um, for what's to come. But please tell me, Sylvia, what's been going on with you the past, what is it, a month we've been apart? You know, I really locked down, locked down. The numbers got crazy over the holidays. I spent, you know, Christmas alone, New Year's alone in my apartment. But I also enjoy my own company. So it wasn't even really like a sad thing. Like I actually genuinely enjoyed the not having the pressure to do anything on New Year's Eve. I FaceTimed mm-hmm. all my friends, including yourself. <laughs> so I didn't even really feel like I was alone. And January, I've just like been like resting, reading, and just gearing up for all the things and coming, you know, into this black ass February, my favorite month of the year. Not just because it's Black History Month, but that gives it the edge, that gives it a little (laughs) razzle dazzle. But it's also my birthday month. I am turning a whole 31 on Saturday, February 6th. Um, I really. Can't believe I'm like in my thirties for real. Like we have a full, <laughs> a, a full foot in that thing. And um, oh, wow. I, yeah, it's been it's been interesting because half the time I kind of feel like, damn, did I get robbed of thirty? Like that's such a fun year, and I feel like I didn't, you know, I spent so much of it in the house. But I had to check myself because I'm like. But look at how much you did change. Like first your birthday this last year versus this year, you were in a whole different city. You launched a whole podcast. You you know what I mean I done in I did more cover stories than I had done in any other year. You know what I mean like I did cool interviews. Like I really like I I made myself see how much I was able to make happen for myself in the worst of times and for that reason I won't allow myself to turn 30 again. <laughs> this go around but it is my first pandemic birthday i really thought like most aquariuses that i was gonna get away with this like i really <laughs> thought like i was like y'all 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 fall and winter babies thought it wasn't gonna circle back we really thought it wasn't gonna we wasn't gonna lap ourselves for a full year so here we are also this is the anniversary of the last time i've been outside so it's been a whole year <laughs> My it's birthday. been whole one year <laughs> since I've been outside, which is nuts to me, out of this world. And you know what's crazy? The funniest shit is Sylvia's birthday. We were all at her apartment, and there was one guy in particular that was talking about coronavirus. <laughs> and literally me and a few other people, I won't name names, was just like, shut your ass up. Hey, man, you're taking this too seriously. You need to shut up. You are just dumbing the party down. Like, we're, we're trying to have a good time. Shut right. up. And you're just setting the mood. Conspiracy theories. Right. And we just was like, turn that music up and shut Ooh. your ass up. So to him, I apologize. We apologize. Uh, because <laughs> I right. cannot believe 
he really was going on and on. And he I was, right. was sitting here talking about, you are, you don't know anything. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this man knew everything. We was all looking at him so crazy. <sighs> it was but, really the beginning of the end. We couldn't see it. We did not know. But I mean, I'm just happy there were pictures and things like that. But I, I consider myself blessed to have had a 2020 birthday because only about January and February birthdays can say that they did that without having to worry about masks and stuff. Some of y'all did that anyway, but that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. I am going to take my L gracefully and safely like everybody should be. Mm-hmm. And if all the rest of y'all do the same, maybe we can get out of this by 2022. Can I have a 30 second birthday, please, y'all? Jesus. Stay in the house. Thanks. <sighs> yeah. But that's been that's mostly been me just you know gearing up the big my big personal new year always starts on my birthday because it's close enough to the new year that it feels like okay i january was just a warm-up i don't really subscribe to dry january especially in the year of a coup inauguration vote takeover like oh yeah that was a mess january it was, was a january mess. was wild okay it was a wild wild yeah. west and i'm just happy to be here how about you anything new um you know me i was just trying to rest child i've been resting wanted to rest uh just chill for a little bit also i really love reading i love reading so i wanted to try to catch up on some books tried audiobooks not for me because i don't have the attention span i need the book <laughs> physically in my hand in order for me to really feel like you know, I'm doing the work <laughs> because mm-hmm. me just listening, I'll jump in and out. So I think audiobooks are not for me. Uh, just realized that during this month. <laughs> but um, other than that, you know, I've just really been chilling. You know, you know me. I love me to chill. And yeah, I just hope niggas get their life together and stay inside and Keep it together so that at least by October, guys, can we just please? I want a birthday. I haven't. I mean, I had a good birthday last year. I cannot even f- say anything. It was beautiful. But I would just like one without masks. So please. But other than that, you know, just been chilling. Okay. But one thing I've been all about <laughs> and I'm still about is this mm. goddamn Jasmine Sullivan EP Hotels. Let me tell you something, Silvio. Lit. Okay, now listen. Okay. You okay, now listen. That EP spoke to me, Scotty. It spoke to me. Well, let's talk about it then. Let's do it. Let's get into this. So, yes, this Jasmine Sullivan EP Hotels, and that's ho spelled the classy way. Yeah, this is a classy ho. This is like a, you know, the Creole hole. The New Orleans hoe with the UX at the end. With a gumbo on um, But I, I have, like, we both grew up close enough to Philly to understand that music city and that culture. And Jasmine has been one of Philly's own brightest stars since we were in back in school. So I was so excited for our queen to come back and grace us with new music because she'd been gone too long for my liking. So I was really ready to take whatever she had to give. Mm-hmm. But then she was coming with these singles and I was like, lost one? And then pick up your feelings? And I was like, oh, Jasmine's about to the fuck, like, fuck us up. But what I didn't see coming was the whole concept album. And I live for this concept and the interludes within the album because mm-hmm. It really just speaks to all the different ways in which and nuances in which black women have 
are able to feel about owning their sexuality or how it pertains to relationships and you know the whole thing and i think there's a track on there for everybody and for me personally girl like me with her and her (laughs) why is that yeah explain explain what girl like me is about and why you relate to it like so girl like me and i know it got a bit of a I remember there was a bit of a dialogue about like what kind of hoe are they talking about? Because essentially the song is like, you going like, it's basically them singing to a guy about how like he's going to make her act like a hoe if he keeps Mm -hmm. behaving in this manner because she just feels like there's no hope for a girl like her. That's why it's called girl like me. Like, you know, like there's no hope for a girl like me. These hoes be winning and not Mm -hmm. in a sense of like hating. You know what I mean? That's not how I took it. I interpret it as like, these sexually liberated women who are not letting men, like, you know, impact how they choose or, you know, where they, you know, where they put down their pussy at night. You know what I mean? Like, they are winning. And here I am being, letting you own my sexuality in a dumb way or have, letting you have possession of that power for me. And I need to, like, and that's not, that's not it. And I think for me also, there's the whole point of, like, I feel like there's a bit of regret when they're singing, like, that when they say these hoes be winning. Because I do think that for me, I know I've had times in my life where I wish I was got to be more of a hoe. Mm. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, I feel like girl like me is really for those girls who are just naturally, like, I, that's not who I am as a person. Like, I'm not very aggressive sexually at all. And I've never really been taught to, like, harness or own that power. Like, I like I have conversations with my friends about, like, when we were all in college. And, like, sometimes I, I have friends, and I consider you one of these friends, Scotty, where it's like, you guys can walk into a room see a man and be like i'm gonna get that nigga you know what i mean like there's like a confidence and you can get him and even if you only want him for the night or that moment or just to know you had the capability that you can do it there's a power in that and it's like that's the kind of girl that is winning and girls like me where it's like us who are maybe shy or have you know are haven't been able to shed ourselves of respectability politics or all these other things like we just don't feel like that's attractive as the same way. Or like that we're winning because like here we are letting a boy or a man like just, you know, hurt us or cry over and not, you know, whatever. So for me, I really think Girl Like Me, that's why I loved and related to this song because I I just think that the, we should be putting pleasure first and shattering lives of how you yeah. get chose. Like that whole Joan Clayton theory, I'm not with that. You know what I mean? Like the 90 day, 30 day rule, whatever the 90 yeah, day rule. Yeah, whatever Steve like, Harvey has all said. All those things all those that makes you feel like you you could be in a like if you behave this way, you'll get the man you deserve type rhetoric, right? If you don't give the milk for free, and it's like no, it's the baby boomer shit that they've been selling for years and years, where it's like, so I'm not the I guess the whole. I'm the girl that I was the tease, right? I guess I'll say I'm I'm a teaser kind of girl. I like to waste your time. <laughs> and and um there there really is like this whole stigma about the body count, right? We talk mm-hmm. about, you know, I let guys tell me you don't want a high body count, you want to stay on this hand and tell me what tell me exactly how to like work and how to function like as a woman Mm. we kept the same toxic toxic men in our lives because we didn't want to 
call, you know, get on the other hand. We didn't want yeah. that finger deck to go up. You know what I'm saying? Once you make that it to six, count. you a hoe automatically. <laughs> and then men look down on you. So I was big on, you know, luckily I had a mom, I have a mom who didn't really judge at all and wanted me to have as much fun as possible because she had fun. Mm. Um, and whatever that looked like to me, she didn't really want to build that out. You know what I'm saying? She didn't want to build it for me. She just was like, whatever's fun, do it. And I think with, that's why I, I didn't, I lost my virginity at a really late age because I, it wasn't, I was never pressured to do it. Yeah. Cause I don't think that that whole mentality, like that whole thing, it's not really even about being sexually promiscuous. I think like we can own the word and how we want it to be. Right. And I honestly feel like, you know, like the crux of it really is just not living your life trying to be chosen by a man, but like realizing that like I'm the prize and like I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And if you can get with it, then cool. But I'm not going to put on this good girl, you know, like the pick me's, you know, like we joke on Twitter about the pick me, pick me, pick pick me. So when in the song, when she's talking about how the guy just, she just wants him to choose her and like why, you know, like that pressure, like I can, I can relate to that. Because we all want that attention. Like we can't, I don't care what people say. I don't need no man's attention or no woman's attention (laughs) or whatever it is. Girl, okay. But I know at some point you do want to be recognized. You do want to, you know, to be fond over and desired. Everybody wants to be desired. And you, and I feel like every good girl has that moment where they're like, am I being too plain? Am I being too nice? Like, am I not being sexy enough to get your attention? So right. I'm going to... And you're going to make me, you're going to make me want to be a hoe. Like, you're going to make me want to do this. I, I truly just related to the whole thing of like the struggle of being a good girl and wanting or wishing that I was empowered more to just have fun. Yeah. Me and my first relationship, like we we were both virgins. So it didn't feel like one way. It definitely was like a mutual, like we're both trying to save ourselves for each other. And I definitely think that's why I made it out of high school without having sex. You know, I didn't have sex when I was an adult. And part of me is kind of like, but it was very like only within the sense of relationships. And a lot of times I think to myself like, how much more fun could have been had out there in these streets? Oh yeah, the streets was fun. Shout out to the streets. I mean, they look a little fun. I mean, like, and I mean in a safe way, because I'm not over here, you know, promoting, like, putting yourself in danger and stuff. I just mean that, like, there's a happy medium there. And I think that, like, that song just makes me think about that to an extent. So, yeah, Yeah. that's my take on it. Um, So, which uh, which one is your favorite? Which was your favorite on this album for you? Because I feel like everybody has at least a tale, an interlude, a song, something that takes them back. So, Jasmine got this song... I think Sylvia speaks about not being in the streets enough. (laughs) Lost one is me being in the streets too much. Mm. Okay. Mm. Now, let me just say this. I don't regret nothing I done did. I done did it and I do it again. <laughs> done done it all. Done done, I it done, all. Done, done, done 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 did it. I'll do it again. And but I what do I will it say again. is I didn't leave room for people's feelings. Mm. Lost one is definitely about a girl who had a girlfriend and she was with her. And then I guess with she went out with her girlfriend's best friend and slept with the girlfriend's best friend. And they, I mean, she cheated, but I didn't do that far. I didn't go that far. That's crazy. So, you know, there was one guy in particular that, took me way more seriously than I took him. Mm. And I didn't see any of those 
uh, hints. I didn't take anything seriously. And um, I hurt him badly. I had chose somebody over him. I dropped him. I ghosted him. I never spoke Damn. to him. Um, and uh, again, I regret nothing. But I do, <laughs> I do feel bad for not thinking of his feelings and taking into consideration that there might have been people who actually put their heart first and then led with their heart. You know, I don't do that. I didn't do that. So he had expressed to me years later that I had hurt him to the core to where it made him really insecure with dating. Mm. And so we had to have a come to Jesus moment where I just was like, none of those things that I was doing was a reflection on you. Mm. It was all of a reflection on, on me and what I was going through. And after that one heartbreak I had, I just knew I was never going to take a nigga seriously. That was not going to happen. It was like a defense mechanism. Yeah. Right. That's like because somebody had hurt you. And so it's right. like, so he it's was behaved. It's a cycle. And then yes. he was like, so you were the girl when girls were like, who hurt you? It was you. And, and I was that girl. <laughs> you were the yes. girl. So, yeah. you know, he had questions. He asked me and I could just hear it in his voice that he wasn't over it. I'm sure he was over us, but he was over, he wasn't over the pain. Mm. And so I had to apologize. And I think that will probably stick with me forever. It's a lesson. Because I think when I hear pain in, in the voice, stuff like that, that I will probably will never forget. Um, and so, yeah, it was, I felt really bad. I felt really bad. And I, mm. and I think that's, that's what I heard with Lost One. But I love that you fixed, I love that you apologized. And I love that he got that closure. Like you probably did him wonders, you know, I mean like, Thankfully, I think we all wish we could get that apology from the first guy, like the first person who hurt you in that way. And it was great that you were able to circle back and give him that. Yeah. Cause Lord knows a lot of us mm. will never get that apology. Well, thank God for growth. You know, I needed to do all those things too. I needed to, to hurt me, hurt myself, hurt others. I had to do all of that in order to see, like really sit down and take apart the layers on why I wanted to function this way and what was keeping me from feeling, actually loving people. Hurting him, I truly, I apologize for and... You know when you lost one. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, he, you know, I, I mean, I mean, I think, it. I think the bridge is the apology. Like, you know, when she's like, "And if it's too late to understand, I understand. Sometimes it's too late to make yeah. amends, but just it's hear me out. Like, I'm sorry. You know, what I mean, I, I'm so sorry. I think that's important. I love the vulnerability there because it is like we all have hurt somebody in our lives, and I think it's so much easier to think about the times you've been hurt than take accountability for the times where you were the one who did it. So I th I love that the album shows like all of this range and it's just like a sexy album. Cause to your point, like the whole, I feel like from start to bottom, it's like, these are the experiences that make you a woman. These are the things that are the lessons and the tales and stuff you have to go through to grow and be like, and own your sexuality and your life and your, you know, and take ownership of that narrative. And that's why I really love it. And I also just think that like, we, I just love when we get sexy songs, like a sexy R&B song. It just really always does it for me. Mm. And I love 
on it, on it. for on that it. reason. Because right on in. it, while Girl Like Me is the one where I be singing some lyrics, like, woo, it's like they took a page out of my diary. On it is when I'm like, did they really rhyme, sit on it, and spit on it? Shakespeare could never. <laughs> and Shut I know, up, I know, and I know please. that was Ari. I know that was Ari in my heart. I said, did these girls, Ari and Jasmine, really get on here and say, sit on it, and then said, spit on it? And I said, mm-hmm. wow, Shakespeare, what? AP Lit, where are you? These lyrics, like, it was like <laughs> just the right amount of sexy for me. You know what I mean? And I, I love it. It was just like, I ran it back six times before I got through the rest of the album. That is on Mary and her little lamb. That was me. That was me and bodies. Bodies. I was bodies, like, that, that is... getting fucked up. <laughs> I Yo, I was. I don't want, that could have been an alarm clock in college. I had, I had tweeted. I tweeted um, that I wish this came out when I was in my mid-20s. Whew. Because let me tell you something. That first. Gotta stop getting get it. Fucked but up. how she kept repeating it. Yo. She's like, bitch, get it together, bitch. You don't know who, who you went home again. Who you went home with? That's exactly <laughs> what we have to do. I keep on piling on bodies, bodies, bodies. You got you to stop it because it's like, it's like a talking to yourself, like a chant. I know, like, it's like, woo. It's a, I don't know. You have, there's a, there's a come to Jesus moment where some girls, you got to have that conversation with yourself. And it's like, I want to be having, I want to be liberated, but in a way that's healthy, mentally, emotionally. You're you're wilding. Like, you're wilding right now, sis. You go into the bathroom, you look in the mirror, and you say, yo, you are wilding. What are you doing here? What are you doing doing here? here? Go home. Take your ass home. (laughs) Go home. And I listen. I usually listen. You gotta listen to, to that voice. Listen to, to our twenty-somethings listening. Listening. Listen to that voice when you hear her. Listen to that voice. I don't care if Please. you butt-ass naked. Put your clothes back on and go home mm-hmm. if you feel that home. in your heart. It ain't. It's. It is okay. So you. You will not regret it. I promise if you. Don't you. feel like don't, don't get your ass up. And, and even go if home. it's the one that Ari is talking about in her interlude, the kind of dick that just is like. I'm sorry. Oh, that's the one that you run from, nigga. Don't you dare. <laughs> when you, when a man makes you feel the way Ari Lennox was talking about how that dick spoke to her, that's Mm-mm. when you run. When she's over here saying, "I, <laughs> it's just this is just my truth. This is just my truth." Over and over again, run, uh, run for the hills because like, that dick is from, dangerous. I was like, um, <laughs> from Love Jones, like, what it say? I feel like that interlude is like a personification of that scene it's like what mm-hmm. did dick say because she was like what if y'all knew who it was y'all would be like all right did you, have you read google, do you know what google says and she's like i do but i also know what that dick said <laughs> she said yeah. it spoke life she said it sowed turmoil <laughs> that's what i was like run Ari. girl you are out. in danger who danger girl but yeah so Please. Love, I'm so grateful for Hotels. I stand a woman that is just unapologetically herself and isn't afraid to give multiple narratives that don't necessarily apply to her. Like, what I love most about this album is it feels like it's a collective. It feels like Jasmine made a point to speak to different kinds of women. We contain multitudes. And I think this album goes through a lot of those and I really appreciate her for that and this dialogue. And I really hope her and Issa make the little mini movie they were talking about doing on Twitter because yes. I would love to see it. So yes. get on that, kids. 100% behind <laughs> it. 100% behind it. Love it. 
the first episode of season two, Sylvia, and we are coming in hot. You hear me? <laughs> we have a legend in the making, a Gen Z queen, the magazine cover slayer herself, Emmy Award winner, and most importantly, the reason why, okay, my brother keeps calling me all morning. All things, like, we got Zendaya in the building. Zendaya, please, can you please tell my brother to stop calling? Like, it is insane. He's insane. I'm so sorry. How are you um, feeling, mama? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Thank you guys so much for having me. I am um, a, a fan of both of you. I remember when Sylvia and I first got to talk, and that was such a beautiful moment. And and I love that interview. It brought me it brought me a lot of joy, like we were talking about in the interview. Um, so that was really special. And now I've gotten to meet you as well, and follow you, and see all the amazing things you're doing, Scotty. So. This is so cool, um, and I and I'm just so grateful for your your support of me and, and what I'm doing, and uh, I'm glad that you both were able to see the film and enjoyed it. And yeah, it's I mean this is like a it's a nerve wracking experience, you know. It's my first time producing something and putting my own um, shit out there, so it's it's um it can be scary, but that support means a lot. So thank you. Oh, we always gonna support, baby girl, 100. <laughs> percent We gonna be thank behind you. you. Go ahead. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, like Scotty said, we're always going to support because the talent is there. Listen, the material is there. <laughs> look You're at not the making it hard for us. Look, look at the material. material. Just it's look at the it's material. like we have chosen to stand forever because why not? <laughs> because you, we have taste. Because we have taste. Listen, and vice versa. Taste. Vice versa. <laughs> And speaking of taste, we absolutely, like, it can't be emphasized enough how much we love Malcolm and Marie. It is such a raw and honest look at relationships yeah. and love and the toxicity that can exist <laughs> yeah. there. It isn't always sweet like roses, but it shouldn't be super negative and violent. This movie does a great job at offering the nuance of what lives in between love and hate. Mm. How did Sam Levison and you land on this idea and what excited you about it? Right. Well, um, I was in, you know, quarantine like everyone else. Um, and I was trying to find ways to stay creative. Um, I was like, try things for a little bit. I did a lot of painting for a little bit. I did a lot of this for a little bit, you know. Um, and I was and it was interesting because I had gone in to the headspace of of going into a second season of Euphoria. We look because they we shut down production maybe I want to say like a day before we were supposed to start shooting the second season. So my head was like, I'm ready to go into this dark place. Like I'm ready to like, I was prepared to be Rue again. Um, and when that kind mm -hmm. of was gone, um, you know, I, I talked to Sam and we have such a, a close relationship um, and I'm so grateful for that. And we've had so many, you know, deep discussions just as human beings because of, I think, what our what our job entails. So we, I, I talked to him about everything. And when we were in quarantine, he kind of served also as a creative lighthouse for me. So I'd call him, we'd call it shooting the shit and we'd just talk about any and everything. Um, and a lot of those conversations had to do with euphoria and what we were going to do with that. And when it looked like that wasn't going to happen, um, I kind of shifted my idea more towards, is there something we can do in the house? You know, so I was like, maybe mm. you, Marcel, our cinematographer, we, we just do something in my house, right? And he came up with a few strange ideas. Some had like very psychological thriller vibes happening. Um, 
which ironically somehow bled into uh, Malcolm Emery as well. So. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um, you know, there was this one idea about like me having, you know, this mental breakdown because I think I'm still on Disney Channel. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we should wait until I'm a little bit older to do that one because I think it could actually be, <laughs> you know. Too soon, Sam. Yeah, it could actually be interesting. <laughs> Just give me some more time. Um, <laughs> so we had, you know, we had these these different discussions and, um, and he finally, he hit me up. He was like, yo, Z, I think I got one. I was like, okay. And he was like, what if it's just like two people, one house, shooting black and white. And it's, you know, a filmmaker, he's coming home. You're his girlfriend and he's forgotten to thank you. And essentially you guys just like argue the whole night and deal with your relationship. And then we like, I don't know, someone turns off the light and goes to sleep and we don't really know the fate of their relationship. I was like, I love this idea start writing <laughs> and he was like yes that one yes that's the one um so he started writing literally and um he would write you know 10 pages at a time he'd call me and we just he'd read them out loud and we'd discuss it for like hours on end, like five hours of just like well i think she said this and i think this and i think that you know and talking about our discussions that we've had and how where that plays in and where i think the character should go where i think malcolm should say what I, like we i was putting myself in all these different characters, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and he would leave me on a cliffhanger, you know, and I'd be like, well, how is she supposed to come back to, from that? You know, and now it was like, yeah. that was the fun was, t- was like Sam digging these characters into a hole and seeing how he could dig them back out again. Um, that became the challenge. And so really that's just the process of it. And he knew immediately when he started writing the character of, of Malcolm, he was just like John David. Like that was the the voice that he heard. That was the person that he heard as he started writing. So he wrote it for us um, and um, called John David, I think maybe the second day he was writing. So he didn't have more than 10 pages um, and wow. he read them aloud to him. And apparently he said John David didn't really give him a full yes because I was like, yo, did he say yes or not? Like, let me know. Because, you know, <laughs> I'm nervous and I'm waiting to hear back. And um, and uh, he was already starting to ask questions that I hadn't even thought of, you know, uh, about their relationship, about where they live. Like, small details or about their relationship that Sam and I still hadn't even thought about because we hadn't even gotten that far. We're only on page, like, 15, you know. Um, so he was already kind of informing where the characters were going to go, asking these questions and really acting as a producer before he even said a full yes. But um, it really that's that was kind of how the inception of the idea happened. Um, and then came a lot of work to be able to do it safely and actually get it to a place where we could physically get everyone together. Yes, child, you had a lot of side eyes <laughs> in the living rooms because, you know, I was arguing with my boyfriend actually that day. Ooh. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of ums, a lot of hmm. Well, doesn't this sound familiar? Yes, the neck was turned. So, you know, uh, but Marie is a great character. Like, she's me. She's tough, but like super fragile and, and vulnerable. Um, throughout the film, you can see her grappling with when to be one or the other. Mm. And that's, my issue right. all the time. I don't want to be too soft. I don't want to mm-hmm. be too hard, but I am both of these things. Like they both exist in my life. How do you prepare yourself to take on this role in particular? Right. You know, that's interesting you say that because I feel very much the same, you know. Um, yeah. I also feel like she has a level of control, right? Like from the moment that she walks mm-hmm. in, she's kind of mm-hmm. already 
in control of the situation because she knows what's about to happen and she knows what she's doing. And I also think, you know, um, Sam, a couple things is he, he not only wrote her for me, but he wrote her to me. So to the woman that he's growing to know and become, um, as I, you know, as I grow in front of him, you know, he, he, so it was with me in mind, um, meaning there are parts of, of myself that I see in, in Marie, um, as well, you know, um, and there are parts of myself that I see in Malcolm as well. Um, and there's parts of Sam, a huge part of Sam and Marie too, because I think people assume because he's a filmmaker that that must be who he connects with more, but that's not necessarily the case. He shares the lineage, um, mm-hmm. and the story of addiction also with Marie. So, you know, uh, for that, w- with that being said, I think it deals, I think with like, it's kind of that mirror thing, having to hold up a mirror and go, mm, am I like that a little bit? You know, do, you know, there's this thing in the, in the, in the bathtub scene, you know, where he's like, you know, you just need to be in control and you need to be, you need a reason to be neat. I said, oh, come for me. Okay. Right. I said, maybe next time. At me next time. Maybe I do need to be in control. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, that, that is some, those are things that I, you know, I'm working through myself. Um, and I think I don't necessarily handle situations the way they do at all. Um, but I think in a lot of ways, you know, you can find those commonalities um, as human beings in those moments where you may not have gone that far with a partner, but it feels emotionally tied to something um, that you have maybe thought about or insecure. Because I think really a lot of it deals with these insecurities. Um, yes. And insecurities are the basis of a lot of... Um, problems and relationships you know um and it's tough to admit that we all are insecure about something you know and we all have those especially when we're dealing with somebody in that kind of space so um for me with preparing marie it was about allowing myself to in some instance fo- follow my instincts but then because i think she also is a little bit like you don't know where what she's thinking and Sam also yeah. wrote, wrote her to be, I think, the more quintessential male character and him to be the more quintessential female hysteric, like, ideal. Um, he kind of flipped the gender roles in that way. Um, and so she's a bit more withholding. And, you know, you don't really know exactly how she feels until she lets you know. And she exposes how she feels. And it's, it's very intentional um, sometimes. And I think for me, because I don't really operate that way, it was about finding the moments that felt like me and then finding the moments where I had to let go and let her take over. Um, you know, where it's like, well, I don't think I would, I would just go after him that way. I don't think I would start not, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. But, um, but she would, you know, so I have to then take Zendaya out of it or Marie, cause I am Marie too. That's my name. Um, my middle name. Um, but I had to let the other Marie take, take, take charge and um and listen to what emotionally where she's going and how she's responding to these things and sometimes she can be manipulative and sometimes she whatever and i recognize that as a as a person and i'm like dang i wouldn't want to do that but that's how she feels (laughs) so i gotta do it you know um so yeah no and it's interesting you guys are reading it's interesting you were talking about specific scenes and moments i mean me myself i was watching with my pillows (laughs) <laughs> to argue with and I really was just like you know what 
maybe quarantining alone isn't that bad after right. all. That's what right. I was like, you know what? Because I've been in long relationships, so I remember this, right? There's right. definitely certain moments where it's like, I've said, like, I feel like people who have been in love and in long relationships, like, almost like you have to have been against certain aspects of this right. movie. But which scene or moment from this film would you say required the most vulnerability or emotion mm. from you, if you had to like pick one, a highlight. You know, it's interesting because I feel like the whole thing really requires that, yeah. you know. Um, and and a thing that you know is also, I think, important, which was a choice of mine, was for Marie to stay in a tank top and underwear for the rest of the movie. Because even Sam came up to you, like, "Yo, Z, I think you know people might like they're gonna kill me if you don't wear like a, a robe <laughs> or something." And I was like, "No, no, I want her to." Um, be fighting without any armor like I want her to have this command this power without having to have anything covering her she's like yes I'm naked and I'm still going to say how I feel and I'm going to live in my power and I'm going to address my issues and I'm you know and for me as an actress that made it more difficult for me because I was like you know, I feel more powerful when I have like a suit on or I have something where I can, you know, but she, because of that, it, it forced me to be more aware of my body and what my body was doing yeah. and be more vulnerable because I'm literally in a vulnerable state um, and find that, go that extra mile to command that strength. So, you know, with that being said, I think it, it required a certain sense of like, fuck it. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm allowed yeah. to say that for it, but, um. No, we curse on the, we okay. curse on this podcast. Okay. Welcome. Right. <laughs> Most definitely. You know, right. It required a certain sense of just like, here we go. Right. And John David is such an incredible scene partner and he's so, so sweet. He's such a kind, kind person. I mean, literally deals with things the entire opposite of Malcolm as a human being, you know? And he was just so supportive and, and, created such a warm environment i think everyone did you know uh it was also my crew from euphoria so they've seen me go through this a million times so mm. they create this warm environment where you can just go where you need to go and there was like hard the harder days um i think the harder scenes to find um was like that knife scene because i had to yes. double trip myself into thinking that i was in a headspace and then knowing what was going to happen you know um, That's the scene where I threw an Oscar at you. <laughs> I said, take it. Take it if you must. Take it. Take it. Take it. Child, I was like, she got me good. I was like, girl, what? I said that. No, I think she playing. Is she playing? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's the fun of the of the, of the the movie, no, you know, yeah. is like this this sense of anxiety and um feeling like something bad is going to happen. Because that's how it feels when you're fighting sometimes yeah. with your really partner. You don't know if this is going to be like, okay, tomorrow we'll wake up and this is fine, or if this is the end right, right of it. And like right. it's like that dread of unknowing, which is why I kind of like that the movie leaves the viewer feeling that way. Because mm. you know? that's exactly what it is. Yeah, It's exactly what it is. As somebody who is a professional arguer, I will <laughs> let you know that. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but I'll tell you right now, I got this heat for your Listen, ass real quick. What okay. <laughs> but um, speaking of fuck it, though, a lot of folks have been talking about how grown of a role this is. And, you know, as you mentioned, we know a lot of that comes from your Disney mm. roots. You know, people don't really know groans in day right. yet. <laughs> Even with Euphoria, you know, there's still this idea that you're a teenager, but you're a grown ass grown. Yes. Grown. Yes. Grown. Yes, I'm grown. <laughs> Shout out to Beyonce. Um, 
how do you find ways to maneuver between the preconceived ideas of of the kind of roles you should be taking? And how does it feel to have to remind folks that you are grown? You're in your 20s, mm-hmm. sweetheart. Like, <laughs> well, Mid-20s, right. obviously. <laughs> right. Mid-20s. Um, listen, Black don't crack, so I understand. Um, listen, it's a problem we are all dealing with on this podcast, what to can, be quite what honest. Can, <laughs> what, what can we say? Do you, what can do we you say? Know say? What can we You see a ring count. And say? you won't. You won't. You won't. You won't. Okay. Um, um, with that being said, um, no, I mean, I, 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 I understand it. Like I look at it, I I can look at myself sometimes from like a non-biased perspective, you know, and I can, and I can understand where that comes from. I think a lot of people have grown up with me or have seen me grow up. And so to a lot of people, I almost feel like their little sister or their whatever. And, you know, yeah, maybe it's a little bit hard for you to kind of see me in this different way. Um, but that's why I choose to take my time and not dive into things before I feel like I'm ready um, as an actress. But also just, you know, it's just not if I if I feel like that's not the right move quite yet, um, then I then I then I just wait, you know, and I feel like the best way for me to have stepped into a role that felt more adult is one that I can control and one that's my own. And, you know, I can take care of myself because I know that at the end of the day, I'm going back and I'm watching the dailies and I'm giving my notes on the edits and I'm, you know. So with that being said, is I'd, I'd much rather do it by my own kind of hand, you know, if that makes sense. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I love that's why I love how often you're saying like how collaborative of a process this mm-hmm. is because I don't think right. a lot of people realize like this is your baby too. Like yeah. you made this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a movie that you got casted for. It came to you like mm-hmm. you were in control of your narrative. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I quite literally like, you know, we we owned it together. We sold it together, yeah. you know, and right. that's um that's a it's a crazy thing, you know, but um I I I understand it and I think that it just takes time and I think with every role, you know, I I want to continue to experiment and continue to try things that are going to push me um outside of my comfort zone and force me to to be better. So um, with that being said, people just will, will take their time with me, I hope, and, um, and take it in as it goes. And I think as far as like for character wise, there actually is a reason that there's an age gap there. And they talk about that, um, in the film, you know, she talks about being 20 years old and, and had never being loved the way he loved her, not knowing, you know, those, those things. And I think that that's actually kind of a reason why their relationship is actually interesting that she's so much more mentally mature than him in the way yeah. she handles yes. conflict. But that's, yes. but that's also why we usually date guys who are a few years older. At least I don't have. Because like the mental <laughs> gap is there. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying to get creepy with the age gap. I'm just saying. But sometimes I understand that. But yeah. I think a lot of this like so I, I feel split about this because like watching our Gen Z because wow we're millennials right and so I'm like wow we're, we're, we're trying to really okay. adjust to the fact that we're no longer what's it like I'm about to be 31 this week this yes. Saturday and I literally am like how did I get here like I really feel like we're the same age in my head we still are and it's fine but like watching watching our Gen Z sisters like crossing the womanhood is su- it's super confident makes me proud because I feel like it, it feel, makes it feel like intersectional feminism and the overall increase of in representation of black women visibly owning their sexuality is working. Right. Like, this is why when we came on social media, like, why we set that standard, because we wanted the next set of girls to not 
feel like they have to wait till their 30s and 40s to feel liberated. And I see that in you, I see it in Normani, I see it in Justine Skye, I see it in Chloe Bailey, and so on and so on. But there's still, there's wait, still so many- Wait, y'all's tweets about that? Listen, because that's, where, I, that's where I'm coming, sis, because like, but because there's so many people dawn. actively- We ride at dawn for we Chloe. We ride at dawn. Yes. I can't it. believe it. Like, we will, I will fight. Like, right. Scotty said, like, she may not fight, but we do. And that's really- But I- <laughs> Immediately. And that's that's what makes me crazy. It's just um, we millennials have seen right the cycle. We've lived the cycle of over and over again. literally not you know we have to be severely humble and not brag and not accept or embrace our bodies or show it or celebrate mm, it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think we should be the last generation. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I went through that, that yeah. in my 20s. Yeah. Um, so to see. You at your big ass age, and I'm talking about these girls, these big ass ages, talking about what Chloe should be doing or Zendaya should be doing or whoever. It drives me crazy because it's like, I want you to do better than mm. us. I want you to embrace earlier than yes. us. And I wanted to know, you know, as far as your confidence, Zendaya, when did you start to figure out, okay, this is something I have to build for myself? Right. right. Well, you know, I have been very um, lucky with my confidence journey in the sense that um, I got a lot of, I think, valuable lessons from the women in my life. Um, also from, I think, like my father. Um, but they always kind of instilled this sense of, of, of pride and self-worth and confidence within me um, since I was, I was very little. And, and that really, you need that, right? Um, and but it, you know, it's not until you go out into the real world that it starts to kind of like you start to kind of question, question it. Um, and I think for me, I mean, luckily, I've been able to uh, really like hold on to that. And you know, even through fashion, I think I was a very shy child, but even through acting and through fashion, I've been able to kind of become more confident and 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 care less about an opinion that's external that's not my own um but um with that being said that doesn't mean that it's just like all around i feel good all the time about everything you know i think of course it's it's fleeting, fleeting. There's, there's moments. exactly Absolutely. it's fleeting and and i think for me it's like it's like my work you know i'm so tough on myself about my work um and i just want people to uh to enjoy it and i want you know and and it's really hard not to care so much about people's opinions of your work or, or, or whatever, because you, you care, you know, like I may, I don't yeah. just make art. I do make art a thousand percent for myself, but I do do it for other people to connect to and, yeah. and to, um, hopefully feel something from. So, you know, so it does matter, uh, to a degree what people think. And, um, it's, it's difficult, you know, to, to kind of balance that, you know, what, what, what is healthy, um, and what is t almost like the movie, you know, what is taking criticism and healthy and understanding and then what is letting it drive you crazy. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And how do you healthily kind of balance that? Right. So what's what advice would you give Chloe right now? It's, it's one of those things where it's like easier said than done. Right. I could say you're the shit like keep doing what you're doing. That's like, you know, Beyonce said it, you Hit know, you're that yeah. when you cause all this conversation, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Just mm -hmm. keep living in exactly what makes you feel good. You know what I mean? And, and mm -hmm. keep owning that. And, and, you know, the way she spoke about it was, was eloquent and beautiful. You know, she said it took me a long time beautiful. to get here and just keep fucking doing it. 
Right. When was the last time you gave yourself some credit? Hmm. You know, that's something I still work on. So now you, first, you're a Virgo, correct? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. The perfectionist. The, per- no the perfectionist yeah, side. Just, <laughs> very hard. <I> knew. <laughs> read, read me. I, I, love, I love me some Virgos, though. I really do. <laughs> I love Virgos, but I, but I see it already because I know that you're hard on yourself. But I, I do want to know, you know, when's the last time you gave yourself some actual credit? When you said, you know what? I'm that bitch. <laughs> I hope it was today. I hope it was yesterday. I hope it's every time you see the Malcolm and Marie trailer on TV. Like, Thank really. You. Thank you. <laughs> every magazine cover, mm-hmm. the GQ, the Essence, the L. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I do. I am, I am, like, proud of those things, you know? Especially, you know, like, seeing them and or seeing people, you know, who I love or who, who I'm a fan of or who I'm friends with comment on it. Or just, like, you know, it's about per- personal connection too, right? So it's like when people saw Euphoria and they, you know, shared with me their stories of sobriety or what, how they got through what they got through. I think that those are the things that I'm like, dang, you know, that really, that, that means so much to me. That's the reason why we do yeah. this. Um, and I am, and I am really proud of this film, you know, but I'm more proud of like the way we made it. We have like our crew got points on it. They got paid, you know, they got taken care of yeah. in the same way. Um, that they, I mean, they just, you don't normally, that's not how movies are set up. You know, they don't really get to have a true financial ownership in the films that they create, which I think is really interesting. You know, so the more top level producers or studios, they they kind of see all the rewards for, for a film. So that was really special to me. And those are things that I go, y'all did that. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? That was good job. That was a good thing. You know what I mean? Um, and... I don't know. I think giving myself credit, I kind of, I don't know. I, I struggle with it a little bit because I, I'm one of those people that if I give myself too much credit, like it's going to be gone. Like, you know, I'd rather just work in my little, mm-hmm. just keep, keep doing it. And, you know, other people can say it and I can say thank you, but I'm just going to keep, keep my head down and keep on keeping on, you know what I mean? Cause it's kind of hard, you know, it's, 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 there's a balance between again, with everything of like being like, Oh, I'm the shit. I did that. Boom, boom. But then also being able to, you know, and, and being able to accept praise and, and be excited for yourself and be confident be like, you know what, this is the shit. I love this, you know, but then also on the same token, it's, um, it's hard to do that sometimes because you're so inside of it, you know, that it's hard to, Mm -hmm. to be, uh, removed so when it comes down to to this project you know i'm it's coming out so soon like it's scary friday. i'm like oh my god the world is gonna <laughs> friday. be right having this discourse <laughs> and i'm just gonna be like you know um but i'm really finding ways to uh to cope with that you know um whether that be writing or doing art or something like all the corny shit they say you're supposed to do when you're feeling anxiety (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i mean like you know just write it down journal about it journal yeah but it really helps you know so i'm I'm definitely trying to do that and i try to distract myself because i can get like wrapped up in it real like real time so i'd be i'd be trying to like just you know, give myself some space from it and live in the real world a little bit. Right. But I just hope that you're celebrating yourself because like it's very important for black women to celebrate each other. But I hope that you're celebrating yourself because you are worth it. 
you've done the work and you're continuing to do the work and you will continue to do the work. But I really hope that everybody knows that just take a moment. Mm -hmm. If it's not like, you know, a glass of wine or it's like, I don't know what the kids are doing, (laughs) but whatever it is, you know, just take a moment to be like, yo, I did that shit. I really did. Yeah. And, you know, big ups myself. Not to quote my own interview, but I do feel like a line that, like, from the Essence story that everybody, from Janet Jackson, did you not freak out when Janet Jackson was like, every time I see black women win, I sell, it brings me joy. But mm. it's the same goes for us with you, you know, like every time you win, it brings us joy. And, I, and like, I think it's about us remembering that as much as joy as we get from watching others win, we should feel the same amount of joy when we win and not be ashamed of it. But... The world has made us feel like we can't mm-hmm. be proud. So it's not, it's, it's, right. it's an easy thing to see right. a struggle with that. And I think that's what the whole, like, that kind of brings the whole conversation around about, like, us just owning shit. Especially on this first Black Ass Week of Black History Month, we were wanted to talk about owning, you know, how we feel Marie owns herself and her persona and her strength and her vulnerability and her sexuality mm-hmm. and her tank top and whatever else, you know, versus, like, even with, like, you know, with the Chloe conversation. But we're also talking about Jasmine Sullivan and her new album hotels which we are obsessed with same are, are you because it's oh, a way is there a particular is there a particular track on get the album you love i love i love the whole <laughs> i love the whole the whole get thing. it together bitch you don't know who who, who you went home with who you went home with again you don't know you bodies know. she came in with bodies and i said wow I said, jasmine this is how we feeling it I said, so this, this is how is what, we feel this is what we're doing okay and <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm a huge jasmine sullivan fan i have been since like early days i'm a i we ride for for Jasmine Sullivan, absolutely. We yes, we ride. Yeah. So okay. So bodies is your favorite from that from hotels. I don't know if it's my favorite. Well, I'm try- I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite. Um, I know. I mean, for me, it's somewhere between on it. Even though the only thing I'm sitting on these days is my couch. This or um, girl like me. <laughs> girl, like I love girl like me with her and her. Like there's just. I mean, the whole album is fire. I love pick but, up yeah. your feelings. Pick up. Please your grab them shits and you let's go. You need to come and take them. Pick up your ooh. And move out feelings to the yes. left. To the left. It's really Listen, an extension of real, right. <laughs> irreplaceable. <laughs> Everything you own is to the box to the left. Pick that Pick up in your feelings. Let's continue. And please move. <laughs> yes. How has um? I know you were you were raised around music too, and girl. So you had said Donny Hathaway. In another ep- like a episode I had listened to, and I was in shock because Donny Hathaway is my favorite artist, right? Ever in life, yes. ever, ever. But I did want to know, you know, what music has shaped you hmm. to the woman you are today? Yeah, mm, that's interesting. Um, shaped you, like not you know necessarily what you grew up right. with, because we you know we all grew up with all green and all that right. stuff. But <laughs> are there specific albums for you that are like, damn, this is this is me. Um, this is how I... I don't know. I think, you know, I go through phases of, like, I think a lot of us do this, right? Where you have, like, these, like, four songs that you will listen to merciless, like mercilessly, like, all day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think I go through kind of phases of that. Um, and it can be very random, right? It can be, like, the new thing that just came out, right? So it could, if it's Chloe and Holly's album mm-hmm. just came out or if it's, you know, Jasmine's album just came out or whoever, then I'll have my favorite songs of that just on repeat. But then, like, if I take a break or whatever from listening to a bunch of Donny Hathaway then like just this past um summer then I'm like listening to a whole bunch of Donny Hathaway music you know and that's just what I have Mm -hmm. on repeat right so I think 
it's a I have a very eclectic taste in music as far as like what kind of uh you know music shaped me I think Beyonce's music has always shaped me mm. thankfully um <laughs> um but you know it, it, it's interesting I think my dad I grew up uh my dad is also plays the drums um and he forced me as a child to listen to so much jazz music and so much like I've been to so many jazz concerts and you know lot you know and, and as a child I was like oh my Same. god every time why black parents love to drag you to a jazz right. concert boy they love a jazz festival <laughs> oh my they god. love a jazz festival love a jazz they festival. called my geeky ass I love I'm about to say I I, and Scotty was the only seven year old like right. this is like, my jam yeah my mom is a DJ oh, wow. so my mom would play everything we went everywhere I went to almost every concert I was just I've always been big on music mm-hmm. so I love jazz festivals. I still want to go to some now in my big age. Listen, but well, now, we're, now we're jazz festival age. Yes. Yes. Now, yes. We're, adult, now right. we're at the age of it. I don't exactly. like it. We love right, jazz. Right, right. It was just mm-hmm. that. Because there was no extra kids. There were no kids at the jazz festival. So you'd be like, it's me just sitting here. But I love to be in grown folks business. Right. So that was just my thing. <laughs> I was just in everybody's business all the right. time. Speaking of being in people's business, to bring this back around in Malcolm <laughs> and Marie, because I have to ask you this question. I need to know you as like Zendaya's thoughts on Malcolm and Marie's relationship. Do you think it's a relationship <laughs> mm. worth fighting for? Or should Marie leave his ass? Oh, man. Like, should she have been over the hill and to the west by the time he woke up? Zendaya, <laughs> believe in love before you answer this question. <laughs> believe in love. I just want to let know. Don't try to influence. I just want to know her thoughts. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a thing that I think I go back and forth with still, which I think kind of is the point of the film, you know? Um, yeah. And I think is the point of, you know, the whole thing, you know, to kind of look at these characters from a non-judgmental standpoint. Like, I don't necessarily look at them as the good guy and the bad guy or the right and wrong or should they, like a finite answer of they should stay together, they shouldn't. I think it's like you kind of just accept them for these full, complicated people that they are. Um, and all the toxicity that lives within them. I think there's a huge codependency problem that they have. Um, yes. That they need to deal with. Um, you know, and so that definitely is unhealthy. Um, and there's, you know, there's there's so much about it that's like, I would never say that or, you know, like I would never go there with a partner. But then there's also something to the fact that these characters, I mean, I guess it also is, to the fact that we kind of treated it like a play and wanted it to kind of not be too naturalistic in that sense of like two people just screaming at each other and like having a real argument, but have almost like a play-like theatrical element to it. And and with that comes the fact that they're able to finish their entire pieces of dialogue without interruption. Like yeah. it, they actually listen to each other. Let me write that down. Yeah. <laughs> they allow each other to fully finish um, their argument before they compose themselves and then say something in return, um, which I think is interesting as far as character-wise. Like, it's interesting that, that someone can sit there and listen to that, right? Mm. And take it for all that it is and be that honest with their partner. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough because some days I'm like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Y'all need to. Mm-mm. This is not. This is not okay. This is not how it should mm-mm. be. Whatever. But then there's also such a rom- romance and a um and a sweetness and a 
thing to their like maybe like exactly like there's like chemistry obviously you yeah. see this first and, it, and it's like maybe maybe we're gonna write a script for some counseling right like couples therapy <laughs> let's like let's just say right. if you stay together let's just get some couples therapy because i get listen i don't know how you argue with somebody who looked like john david washington all day <laughs> myself because listen let me tell you oh something. my god when Sylvia, you know it, that man is fine i'm sorry <laughs> and when he was dancing in that suit every time he started dancing to pour a drink i forgot we were fighting i was like how's marie i, I I forgot we were fighting. My bad. What were you saying? <laughs> right. Your face, your beard. I got distracted. Say it again. <laughs> right, right. And and let me tell you, Marcel, our cinematographer lit the mess out of the whole situation. So he made he, he mm-hmm. made everybody just an look, extra bit of look, glow. Yes. It was art. Yeah. Every frame. <laughs> Every frame. Arguing is exhausting. Um, but when done with John David, who is a lovely a person and an incredibly talented actor it it made it more fun and uh you know we were kind of just like round for rounding you know he would do his thing and i'd be like all right okay got it that's what we're coming (laughs) with tonight okay (laughs) i got something for that Mm -hmm. ass you know um yeah and then like a fight right (laughs) (laughs) and and but there was also when we had to go to these vulnerable places you know after he you know we check in on each other go up and good okay just making sure you're okay, you know, whatever, boom, boom, boom. You know, so we had this, this, this partnership and this res- mutual respect for, I think, the art and what we were having to kind of take on. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the issues that exist between these two characters, there's also this underlying conversation about filmmaking and film criticism. While at times a little over the top, <laughs> Malcolm makes like some really valid mm. points about the way films made by Black people in particular are always placed under a political microscope. Mm. Uh, what are your thoughts about the expectations that come with Black films? Right. Well, this is, I mean, these were conversations that, you know, <clears throat> Sam and I have had, um, kind of me expressing some of those frustrations of um, kind of preconceived notions or boxes or um, that, that I think Black creatives are put in, like the inability to just make whatever they want to make. There has to be mm-hmm. either a political element or their... Even if it's not, it's turned into that or just having to deal with things or comments or um, issues that maybe their white counterparts don't necessarily have to go through um, and even think about. It's like not even a part of their creative journey at all because it's never a problem for them. It's never something, never an issue that they have to um, confront. So, yeah, no, it's definitely a conversation we've had, I think, you know, through euphoria, through whatever, you know, or just, like I said, just talking. So those things think also, you know, kind of bled into, into Malcolm. And I think hugely more than just like the criticism uh, of criticism, I think what that whole rant kind of plays into is the dynamic of their relationship and lets us know a little bit more of how they work. The fact that he can sit here and rant about a good review, mind you, a good review for, you know, however many minutes and she just sits there and laughs at him. You know, she's just like, this is, this is the man that I'm with. You know, this is, this is what I chose, you know, and, (laughs) you know, and and can continue to do that. And then it's interesting because after that, she's, she is able to 
somehow find a commonality with this white lady from the LA Times and say, listen, you know, her problem with you is my problem with you. That read was the great read of them all. You hear me? She said, well, the white bitch at the LA Times got some points. <laughs> Hello? She said, the white lady from the LA Times, like, I actually, her issue with you is my issue with you, is that you're good and then you take shit too far. You know, you you had this film, you had this thing, and then you went too far. You had this great review and then you went too far you had this argument with me and then you went too far and you can't Mm. accept criticism and i think that's what i think the overarching like even though there are a lot of good points um in what um his character is saying and there are is truth to what he's saying it's the way he say it and how how he goes about it that's just ridiculous and yeah and so it makes it harder for people to even digest the the actual bars that he is, you know, giving. Um, and I think that that, that that she, in a bigger sense, that has to do with their relationship. And we're tying it back to, you know, when she says, like, um, the man I'm looking at is the best he's going to get. You know, this is because you have no thought that you can be better, that you can look at yourself and say, how can I be a better person? How can I be a better partner? It's the same way you look at your film criticism. You can't get a criticism and go, hmm, okay, I can do better here. I can do better that here. Or I can see something through someone else's. Yeah, like you, you are know. not beyond correction. I always try to remind people yeah. at all. Yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly what So when is. She, what ooh, she ooh, is saying yeah. is like, yo, I got that issue too. And let me tell you all my examples of why I have this issue, you know? Um, yeah. And I think it, it serves, you know, I think... You know, it, it's interesting to kind of see with the criticism. I think that has taken up the narrative of the film that it's just about mm-hmm. criticism. But it's it's actually was only six minutes of the movie that I think served a bigger purpose about how you treat and respect and listen and take criticism from the people that you love. Yeah. And I just to close it all together, because I know we have to wrap soon. I We could talk to you all day about this, I could talk to, to you all point, too. But to your point about like that taking up a lot of the narrative, for mm-hmm. our final question, I want to ask you, what, so what do you want, what is your hope that viewers walk away with after seeing this film? Right. And, and another thing that I saw, which I thought was interesting because it also echoes Marie point, Marie's point, is that maybe all of this is Sam's frustrations. Mm. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Me and John David are producers and financiers. We're we were in the room too, talking about this script every day. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is our. I know that's why because I, I think a lot of people were like, "How does white man? Right. How does white man know all this?" And right. I'm like, you know, when you ask like, "Well, who's black? Which black friends told them?" I'm like, "Well, right. I feel like the answer is the day is the people David who are doing it. the film with him." You know, um, <laughs> Sam listens, um, but you know, I think. I think, he, you know, he's acutely aware, but he was writing. He's like, I was writing for these two black people. Right. And so yeah. do you think that I'm going to write a filmmaker that's living now a black filmmaker and he's not going to have an issue with the way that his films are critiqued, you know, and and, and mm-hmm. what does that look like? And so that's where we step in as well. And we insert mm-hmm. ourselves into that dialogue and, and, and make sure that it it, it is. I mean, authentic, <laughs> right? Yeah. To, to how we feel, um, <laughs> right? Um, but, 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 and I just thought that was interesting that that was kind of happening, that we were kind of already being cut out of that narrative in the same way Marie is like, wait, wait, wait. This was me you too. You put me out of my narrative. Like, yes. wait a minute, right? Like, we, mm-hmm. we are not just th- the stars of this movie. Right. We are the producers and collaborators and co-creators. Ex- exactly, yes. exactly. Um, but I think what I hope people take from it, um, I think in a huge way, 
is um, gratitude. I think for me is the overarching theme of the film. Gratitude for the people in our life who make it possible to do what we do. Uh, the gratitude for the people that we forget to thank. Um, the gratitude mm. for the people that we love and yeah. contribute to our art, that contribute to our lives, that uh, that we depend on, you know? Um, yeah. And it's just about taking a step back, taking a moment to go, you know what? I forgot to say thank you today. And you know what? Thank you. Thank you for the little shit. Thank you for the big shit. Thank you for all the little things I forget to thank you for. And I hope that that is what people take from it is just just to love up on the people that you can. And so in this moment, I'm going to say thank you to both of you because I'm, I'm serious. This conversation and, and spending this time with you guys, it really it means so much to me because this is I'm stressed the fuck out a lot of the time um, because I like we said, I put a lot of pressure on myself and to have your support um, and to hear it. And, and also just like from two black women, like it means so much because that's a huge reason of why I do what I do, you know, and I hope to be able to make more um, films one day. If I ever become a filmmaker, I don't know. I'm learning, but I want to make it and see more uh, uh, black women. And, and so your your love and genuine um i think just kindness has it really means so much to me so i appreciate you guys having me on your show and letting me talk to y'all and it just it means Girl. it means so much no thank you it means a lot to us it, it truly means the world to us too you are a real one like i said we interview a lot of people but i was like yo today i feel like she's like it and we we are always going to be here for you Thank our DMs you. and messages, always. our inboxes are always open for you, Absolutely. sis. I appreciate that. And Thank hopefully so we will see each other time. in real life and I can <gasps> one day when it's safe hug you both. Um, but yeah. Thank you both. Bye, y'all. Bye. Great time. Bye. Precious. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that was such a refreshing interview. I am so grateful that we had that conversation with Zendaya to start off our season with this level black girl magic energy. We're not playing with y'all season two. Me and Zendaya over here, we're going back to back, back to back <laughs> with the interviews. I love that she chose to pour into us at the end, Scotty, like really just like an all around class act. We have to stand. We have chosen to stand in. Much love to Zendaya for coming on here and blessing us with your presence and your intellect and all the things. Yes, I love her so much, so, so much. And not just the energy for the new season, but also Black History Month, which is all year. Don't get it confused. But since <laughs> it is the Black History Month that everybody knows about, uh, we're going to talk about some unsung Black heroes. Yes, get your pen and paper out. It's time to do the do the work. So, to start off our list of um, unsung black heroes, <laughs> we would like to begin by shouting out, you know, something that worked very hard through the late 90s into the early, two, you know, into the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Done seasons of show, of one show that everybody loves so much. Seasons, um, a, a king of seasons. comedy, you might say, you might call it, you might call it a Absolutely. king of comedy, you know, lots Absolutely. of stand-ups. Um, and we are talking about a one Steve Harvey's wig. That yes. that is that is who we want to start by honoring 
this Black yes. History Month, the toupee piece. I mean, I still have, we haven't found out what exactly. I would love for it to be in the Smithsonian somewhere or Just, somewhere where we can all examine and watch and see history before itself. But <laughs> I, I do want to thank the wig for fooling the masses mm. with edges sharper than a plain piece of paper. Like, <laughs> you ain't never going to see anything that crisp ever crisp. in your life. Every kinky curl tightly in place. Never shifted, never slid. Was it glue? Was it tape? I just, <laughs> I, I just want the details because honestly, I stand. Right. Like, do right. you remember the moment you found out Steve Harvey was bald? Like, did the rest of y'all know it was a wig? Because when I was watching the Steve Harvey show, I just thought to myself, damn, I guess when you have a certain kind of money, your, your hair is just always that same. Like, you just always mm-hmm. keep it tapered like this. Because it was, it was like a, it had like an interesting like curve in the beginning enough that that's what I feel like should have been where I understood something else was happening. The was fact that on. I never really saw if Steve Harvey had a widow's peak or, you know, like a straight crisp. Like, I never really saw no. the front. It was always just flipped over in a great way. Like, he really just did a good job of hiding the, his edges, you know, or lack yeah. thereof. <laughs> I, I We've never seen him. So I um want to congratulate. Hats off to you, literally, <laughs> to <laughs> your work. Um, we even had to talk to our producer who didn't believe that it was a wig. Um, so we really had to do the work and figure out how this was happening. Um, yeah. But I, I just want to sit here and you just, you know, thank you, give you your flowers. Give I your really flowers. wish we knew where exactly that wig is today um, <laughs> because I hate throwing away collectibles, you know, and that's something that we should have. It should be in Black Market Vintage. Like Black Market <laughs> Vintage should look this up if you're listening. Find the wig and please, please. have it for sale for anyone. I mean, thank you. Thank you for the laughs. Thank you for the looks. Thank you for all the things. We wanted to make sure, like Sky said, that you got your flowers and that we shot we shed a spotlight on you for those who didn't know your work. Cause yes. Black History Month is when you tell the unsung stories. So yes. another unsung st- story that we would like, and I'm sure it's in the works, uh, is mm. Megan's knees. Mm. Megan the Stallion's knees. I, I love when Megan tells her stories, but I would also really appreciate if her knees could give mm. a perspective that I'm sure my knees haven't heard. I just want my knees to know that there's more there's more than one type of knee. <laughs> and Megan the Stallion has that knee. Knees stronger than toxic masculinity. And there's not That's many. What she said. But that is the that is the lower third. If I was in, in all of your unsung episodes and the biopic that I'm sure is to come about what you gave us, all the twerks, all the videos, mm-hmm. all the body yaddy yaddy, that mm-hmm. was you. The what? That was you. You know what I mean? The choreography, the tour. We're talking fever. We're talking Tina Snow. You but the knees have been there putting in the work. From the beginning to make Megan a star. It's responsible for all the TikTok challenges that we see and can't do today. Um, But thank you for leading the way for Gen Z to do these amazing things with their knees that I have never experienced. So a pioneer. A pioneer, a strength, a strong, strong, you want to talk about strong black leads? 
<laughs> strong black, black niece. niece? <laughs> strong black knees. Right. Strong black knees is it. And I only hope that my knees can have half the strength. If my knees can just maintain half the strength of Megan. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like I just wish I that will. my knees could hear another story so that maybe they, they can they say, can be inspired to know that I too can out twerk toxic masculinity if I tried. Mm. Mm-hmm. Next up on this um profound esteemed list mm-hmm. is um Beyonce's fan. And not to be yeah. confused with Beyonce's fans, i.e. us. But the fan, the physical fan that keeps her hair moving in the wind at all times, whether she's stage left, right, front, center, back, third, behind Jay-Z, in front of Jay-Z, in the stands, the fan is there, there in every moment. First of all, I want to also thank the, I'm sure the fan has been through tons of schooling PhD in <laughs> physics, the way this air hits Beyonce, because it's no regular fan. Mm-mm. Like, this fan knows how to get all her good sides mm. and remove hair from where it's supposed, like, it's not supposed to be. And that's physics. I don't know, you know, how many years the fan put into uh, receiving this PhD and actually working towards being Beyonce's fan, but I also would like that in the Smithsonian. Please. I, and, and and the amount of bundles that he's moving, the work is being done. The work is being done. Beyonce's fan has got to be a black woman because nobody else works that hard. Nobody That's else works true. that hard. So I truly believe that the fan is a black woman on on the inside and um, yeah. the hardest working woman in show business. To be quite honest, that's there you go. Yeah. That's what that's what that is. Speaking of hardest working. Woman, this is a hardworking woman who refuses to give us an album, but we're not talking about her today. <laughs> we're going to talk about her weed man, Rihanna's re- weed man, whoever Rihanna's weed man is. You have been supplying her with the best of the best for a very long time. And so long <laughs> that we haven't had an album for her. <laughs> Maybe it's a little too strong, perhaps. Maybe you could just take a step back. I, I, I'm just saying. Like, what is it? Remove a strand or something. Just, we, just, need, we need. Just the, the uh, potency. Can we dilute it just a bit? Sis is so happy that she said, That's fuck so- y'all. Honestly, I used to feel the need to perform, give y'all every year a new album. And now I'm just here happy enough to do what I want. And I said, wow. Yeah. Can she I, let me get a hit nothing. of that. The Weed Man is so good that we still haven't even gotten the end of James joint. I blame you for not her not being able to finish the song. Like, because <laughs> that's my favorite interlude. Yeah. That's one of my favorite tracks on Anti. And it's like a minute long, sir. The weed was too yeah. good. Is that what happened to sis? Like, I just. It's just too good. And she's, you know, shout out to you. We we thought to shout you out, but now I want to take it back because I, <laughs> I want this album. I mean, but it's still an unsung hero because it's also the kind yeah, of yeah, weed yeah. that's so good. It gives us the, you know, the air of I don't give a fuck that we love about mm-hmm. Rihanna, but also there's somewhere a strain in there that still allows her to be creative, a creative genius and give us good work. It gave us like anti and all that. So, yeah. So I, I feel like it has be... to be a sativa, a sativa and not really an indica type situation happening. I don't here. know much about my weeds, but I do know. <laughs> Put some water in that shit, please. Yeah. Do something. <laughs> 
Y'all gotta do something. <laughs> but we thank Give you her for some your Reggie work. or something. We thank you for your work regardless, even if it's be it's you're working overtime and we need you to cut back on some hours. And who's next, Sylvia? <sighs> um, last but not least, a new addition to the unsung black heroes list mm-hmm. is the hardest working photo booth app in in 2021 in January 2021 which is Chloe Chloe Bailey you whatever app the photo booth app you're using on your MacBook and the recording device you're using on your phone wherever you're using to give us these TikToks and these mm. videos and keeping your foot on our necks making the people mad we Please. thank we thank that recording device we thank the photo booth app for its service because honestly i have gotten my life every single time you drop new content on the instagram page since you got it um i feel like that page is like a week old and yeah it is and um <laughs> i'm totally fine with you heel towing on my neck uh i embrace it and i want you to continue to do it also uh keep your foot on these grown ass hoes necks that want to sit here and have words about you and project their insecurities onto you and do whatever you want to do sweetheart because we're going to be here for you regardless so yeah shout out to chloe and that photo booth and that phone and that tiktok and all social media outlets that all she's recording on. devices that she is using to to give us this heat I'm here for it. And I mean, and that, and that, uh, busted challenge, she won. Oh, absolutely. Jesus. So yes. But shout out to our unsung black heroes. I'm very mm. happy, uh, that we got some time to do it. Just a few, just a few unsung heroes. Just, yeah. you know, we, we didn't have time to honor everybody, but we wanted to make sure we got a couple in. Right. And that's all that matters. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Thank you all for tuning in. Our show is a production of Pineapple Street Studios in partnership with Netflix and Strong Black Lead. Shout out to our team. Executive producers are Agarane Shashagre and Danielle Cadet. Our lead producer is Jess Jupiter. Our music is by Amanda Jones. Special thanks to Max Linsky and Jenna Weiss-Berman. Make sure you share your thoughts with us on the episode using the hashtag OKNowListen. And follow Strong Black Lead on the socials at Strong Black Lead. And follow us too. I'm at Sylvia O'Bell. And I'm at Scotty Beam. Until next time, folks, stay blessed. Bye, guys.